Hello and welcome on to another episode here of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. So we're back with another pod here this week. We're going to talk about a few different topics. We're going to go over our game of the week last week, which was Clippers versus Mavs. Uh, we're going to touch a little bit on the Mavs versus the Bucks, which unfortunately was the better game this week rather than the one I chose, uh, highlighted by some passing from Luka Doncic. Uh, we're also going to talk a, a little bit about the race for 8th and ninth in the West, which has heated up quite a bit and seems like there are four potential teams now that could really take that spot, being the, the Grizzlies, Blazers, Spurs, Suns, and Pelicans, five teams. Uh, my apologies, so we'll touch on that. And we're going to touch on why I think there are so many players uh, achieving career highs in scoring, assists, rebounds, etc., uh, in such a short amount of time in the bubble, and I think there's, uh, I think I've got a, a little bit of a reason for that. So let's jump into it here. Let's start with my game of the le- the week that I picked last on last week's pod, which was the Clippers versus the Mavs. This is a potential first round series in the Western Conference. The way things are shaping up, seating wise. And that was part of the reason I wanted to pick this is to see if there was anything I could tangibly take away uh, to apply to a potential playoff series uh, should that happen. So in this game, there was no Pat Beverly for the Clippers as well as Montrez Harrell. Uh, both Pat Beverly dealing with an injury, Harrell dealing with a, an unfortunate death in his family, but will return to the team somewhat soon. And for the Mavericks, there was no Seth Curry uh, in this game as well. So in the first quarter, uh, the quarter ended out uh, 23-22 Clippers. Um, and, you know, the both of the teams actually got pretty good shots, I, fo- I found, in terms of quality of shots in that first quarter. But for whatever reason, they just didn't go down. Uh, th- that, that first quarter could have been scored a lot higher. Um, but the one thing that I wanted to kind of highlight here is um, I saw a specific clip where Kristaps Porzingis actually ran a pick and roll as the ball handler with Boban Marjanovic, uh, which is you know quite funny, a four-five pick and roll, and you know it's it's great to see this obviously from Kristaps Porzingis, but I think what we need to remember about the his game and the way he fits with Luka Doncic is that Kristaps Porzingis is not a good post-up player at this point in his career. He gets pushed off his spot quite a bit. He has trouble moving guys down there in the post. He much prefers to shoot over the top of you with that 7-2, 7-3 length and uh, kiss that ball off the glass on the wings uh, or just simply just rise up right over you and trust that either you'll foul him or he won't even see your contest just because how long and how big he is. But in terms of giving you the the three, two to three, four dribble back down into the post and you know really uh, trying to finish at the rim or dunk on you, that's not really his game at this point, and uh, th- then that's not to say that's not valuable. Obviously, Chris Porzingis has tremendous value to this team as a spacer on the floor, as a guy that can you know heat up very quickly uh, from deep. But this again, especially that that four or five pick and roll with uh, Boban, really just kind of emphasized it for me. It's like. Y- He's just not a post-up player at this point uh, and showed that throughout the game and has really shown that uh, since his time with the Mavericks began. Um, so he had 23-22 first quarter uh, for the Clippers. In the second quarter, there were I, another player I want to highlight here in the second quarter is Maxi Kleber for the Dallas Mavericks. There was a couple instances where Kleber was able to actually put the ball on the floor uh, against a closeout. There was one uh, where he was actually able to 
to get all the way to the rim and finish. And there was another one where he got into the paint and actually made a pass to Doncic uh, for a bucket. And that's impressive for a guy that's going to play the 4-5. Uh, and then also you put on top of the um, on top of that that not only is he able to attack closeouts at his size with his mobility, uh, but he's also at times being asked to be the primary defender on Kawhi Leonard, uh, which to me means that's uh, Maxi Kleber is a very important piece of this rotation, uh, especially since, you know, Dwight Powell had his season-ending injury. The fact that they're asking Maxi Kleber to, uh, you know, not only knock down threes, uh, not only defend the pick-and-roll as a big man, but also be the primary defender on Kawhi Leonard, be a guy that can attack a closeout and make a play. He, he really is growing uh, in terms of his skill set and his, uh, I guess, Rick Carlisle's trust in him as a, a rotation piece. So I just wanted to highlight that a little bit because those are some of the things I saw in this second quarter. Um, also, D- Dallas's defensive, re- sorry, offensive rebounding was helping them out quite a bit. That was really one of the reasons they stayed in this game uh, for most of the way. And so the offense really started picking up in that second quarter for both teams. Uh, three started kind of falling from everywhere about midway through the quarter. And the quarter ended uh, 59-58 Clippers at halftime. And uh, the quarter score 36-36. to So quite a high-scoring quarter for both teams. No surprise, both of these offenses very potent and can uh, heat up at any given time given their personnel. Uh, so 59-58, the half of the Clippers. We jump to the third quarter, and they're going to highlight yet another player. I guess that's kind of a, a theme here, uh, is Avicii Zubac. Avicii Zubac, uh, as a role man in this entire game, was doing a ton of damage to the Mavericks defense. He was able to catch the ball uh, out of the pick and roll uh, on post-ups, grabbing uh, offensive rebounds and putting it back. He was actually 10 of 10 in this game, didn't miss a single shot. And uh, I also believe he had... Just want to be sure of the numbers here. 15 rebounds as well. Uh, and nine of them were defensive, six of them offensive, uh, and a plus eight in this game. So he was really, really good uh, in this game. He, uh, just with his energy as a role man, his energy as a guy that you were able to throw the ball into the post to and be a force on the glass, really bothered the Mavericks, especially considering uh, the Mavericks were doing a good job on the glass for most of this game. Zubac really kind of imposed his will as this game went on. So the Clippers started to pull away in that third quarter a little bit. I think the lead got as big as 12, but the Mavs, they kept it together. Uh, Porzingis was uh, was able to knock down a few shots, get to the free throw line, and I believe in this quarter the Mavs shot 10 free throws and the Clippers didn't shoot a single one. So that really helped them stay in a game that looked like it was kind of slipping away from them, uh, but they were able to stay in it. So after three, it was 91-87 for the Clippers, uh, and that quarter was 32-29 third quarter. Uh, The Clippers won that quarter. So jumping here to the fourth, this is where the Clippers really started uh, to pull away. Um, Porzingis at the beginning of the quarter was their main source of offense. He had eight quick points, including two really deep threes. Um, But again, the next, next two possessions, they go back to him and he gets closer to the rim, trying to drive to the rim, trying to post up a little bit. And he missed both of those shots, one of them pretty badly. So that just goes, again, to show you, uh, you know, Chris Asporzingis, more of a stretch five, more of a finesse player, not necessarily a guy that's going to bully you inside. And that was another instance where I saw that. So the Clippers uh, continued to go uh, on a little run here. They went on a 9-0 run uh, over the span of about two and a half minutes. And the Mavs really couldn't get any offense going to respond to that run. And Kawhi and Paul George really put the nail in the coffin uh, in the fourth 
for them. So the final score, uh, one twenty-six to one eleven for the Clippers, but that ge- but the game was a lot closer than the final score would indica- indicate, and uh, thirty-five to twenty-four in that fourth quarter for the Clippers. So just uh, going over some uh, quick stats here. Kawhi Leonard tonight, uh, or that night, I should say, played 38 minutes, had 29 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal. He was 10 of 23 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, uh, plus 22 in this game. That's a game high. Uh, we talked about Avicii Zubac, 21 points, 15 rebounds on 10 of 10 shooting. Didn't miss a shot in this game. Uh, again, plus 8 for Zubac, he was really good. Paul George also had a nice game in this one. 24.7 rebounds, 6 assists, 10 of 21 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. He was a plus 17 to go along with that. Um, So overall, the Clippers did a really good job and a very low turnover game uh, for the Clippers as well. I think they kept it to single digits, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just double check that here. But a very low turnover game uh, for them as well. That's uh, always a plus. Just 6 turnovers for the Clippers in this game and uh, for the Mavericks. The Mavericks only actually had seven. So they also uh, relatively uh, clean, relatively cleaned played game. I, I don't know how to describe that, but you get what I'm getting at. Um, and for the Mavericks here, Luka Doncic uh, had, a, had a nice game. I, don't, I would, wouldn't say necessarily he had a bad game. Obviously 29 points, three rebounds, six assists. We've just come to expect so much from this young kid uh, in 35 minutes. We just expect so much from him that uh, it's almost unfair at this point. But 10 of 21 from the field, 6 of 13 from three. Had a, a couple really nice step back threes. Just 3 of 6 from the line, though. Uh, but And all, he, uh, Doncic was also a minus 21 in this game. So that goes to show a little bit there. Uh, Chris Asporzingis, also a big source of offense for this team. 30 points, uh, 9 rebounds, 5 assists for Porzingis. And he was 9 of 19 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3. 9 of 9 from the line and just a minus 4. Uh, so Porzingis had a nice game for himself as well and has really, uh, has, has really played well in the bubble. Uh, in the bubble so far, so um, so good for Chris Stapps getting his footing back after that uh, after that ACL tear. That uh, looks like he had uh, needed quite a few games to kind of get back into his groove, but he's uh, he's getting there now. So overall takeaways from this game, um, you know, from the Clippers' perspective, uh, you know, they they played. There were some times where they played some really good defense. Other times where you know the the Mavericks' offense just kind of took over, and that's. Uh, that's to be expected. This team can score, be, uh, being the Mavericks. This team obviously has a very, very potent offense. We've talked about that in the past. Uh, and from the Mavericks side, you know, 126 points. Again, we've talked about this in the past. They're going, to, they can't rely on just being able to outscore teams every night. Uh, they're going to face defenses that are going to, uh, you know, force them to, you know, make guys other than Luka Doncic beat them. You know, they're going to force, you know, a a lot more of, you know, Seth Curry. Uh, He didn't play in this game, obviously, but that's the guy that's going to have to beat you. And guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dorian Finney-Smith and uh, Maxi Kleber and all these guys are, and Trey Burke. uh, Those are the types of guys that are going to have to win you games. Um, And I don't know that if uh, teams are forcing those guys to make plays that that your offense becomes as potent. And, uh, And now you're relying on you know, that style of your offense to win because you obviously haven't been playing any defense, judging by some of the scores, uh, you know, in this in this game and the way that they've done that, uh, you know, kind of uh, through games throughout the bubble. So I, I, we need to see some defensive improvement from the Dallas Mavericks if they want to go anywhere. Um, in my opinion, I think uh, if this series were to happen, uh, I, I'm picking the Clippers pretty confidently uh, just because I know 
uh, that those two wing defenders are going to show up. I know that those two wing defenders are also some of the best offensive players in the league. Uh, I also know that they've got a bench uh, highlighted by a number of uh, fantastic players that are going to be able to hold up that offense when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard go to the bench. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my takeaway. Uh, You know, the Clippers still look like one of the teams that could be favorited to win a championship. And, you know, the Mavericks still need to work uh, on being better defensively if they want to have a chance to go go far in the playoffs. Okay, let's move on here and talk about the race for the 8th and ninth seed in the West. So I talked a lot about, you know, the, the Pelicans on the last podcast and... You know, they've been pretty bad, <laughs> to, to be frank. They have not been good. Uh, I think they're 2-4 and four now in the bubble, and teams like the Suns have taken advantage. Teams like the Spurs have taken advantage. Teams like the Trailblazers have taken advantage, and then teams like the Grizzlies have also lost games. So now, we're all of a sudden, we've got five teams here, being the Grizzlies, Blazers, Spurs, Suns, and Pelicans, all within, you know, about two games of each other here, with three games to go, and... A bunch of them are are actually like going up against each other um, to to finish this out. So this is going to be you know quite interesting, in my opinion. So you know the Suns. Let's okay. Let's start from the top here. So the Grizzlies actually lost today. I'm recording this at seven uh, seven thirteen as the time uh, shows right now, and the Grizzlies lost to the Raptors today. So their next game, uh, the Grizzlies, is against the Celtics, and then after that they play the Bucks. Oof, that's a th- tough couple games to end your season here, and they're going to have to win probably at least one of those uh, to you know keep a, keep a position between eighth and ninth. So that is the Grizzlies. The Trailblazers are currently playing right now uh, against the 76ers. They're actually up 33-19 at the end of the first quarter. After that game, the Blazers play the Mavericks, and then they play the Nets. So those are two very winnable games, games that could vault them, obviously, into even eighth, uh, especially if the Grizzlies uh, start to slip between uh, their matchup between the the Celtics and the Bucks. Two very easily losable games for them. The Spurs have also been playing very well. They have a chance uh, to get into this play-in tournament as well. Uh, so they actually beat the Pelicans today, 122-113. Their next game comes against the Rockets. And then after that, the Spurs actually face the Jazz. So, um, not impossible teams to beat. You know, the Rockets obviously going to be tough. Jazz as well. But not impossible teams to beat. Two teams that, uh, if they play their cards right, they could definitely sneak into that 8 or 9 spot. The Suns, um, obviously we just just talked about them. Uh, so, the Suns play. I want to see what happened here. So, the Suns beat the Heat uh, yesterday. 119 to 112. They play the Thunder uh, as one of their next games. They play the 76ers. And I think they have one more against the, the Mavericks. So, again, some beatable teams. Not impossible for the Suns, especially the way that they're playing, to sneak in here. And finally, we have the Pelicans, who have really shot themselves in the foot after having a very favorable schedule and a chance to get in here. Again, they lost to the Spurs today, uh, which was really a problem for them given where the Spurs are in the standings. And so now the Pelicans, they do still have a favorable schedule down the stretch here. They still play the Kings, and they have one more game, I believe, against the Magic. And so that's their two games left. So they're actually going to need some help 
from some of the other teams now because they have, you know, they've lost some, again, some very winnable games here. So that's going to be a problem for the Pelicans. They looking, they're looking like it's going to be the toughest for them just on the backs of, uh, you know, blowing some, uh, some good chances to get into the playoffs based on an easy schedule. So between all these teams, realistically, uh, right now, I like the Trailblazers. Uh, I really do like the Trailblazers as a team that's going to be one of those teams that represents the 8 and 9 spot to get into this play-in tournament. And the other team that I I think I... Oh, it's, it's, it's really tough to pick. It, it is really tough to pick. You, you, you like to think that, you know, the Suns playing well are... You know, bound to take some of that momentum uh, moving forward here. You're, you'd like to think that the Spurs, done by Greg Popovich, they might have something up their sleeves to make sure they get in. And, you know, the Grizzlies still have the advantage after all this, even though they play the toughest schedule out of these five teams. And, you know, maybe they, you know, sneak out a game between one of these teams, the Celtics or the Bucks, who might want to rest some of their players down the stretch uh, because obviously those teams have already locked up uh, their specific playoff spots. So there's a lot of variables here, in my opinion, that could change, you know, some things. Uh, so it's it's really tough for me to pick. But for some reason, I'm, I'm I, I like the Blazers. I really, <coughs> excuse me, I really have faith in Damian Lillard, in C.J. McCollum, in Carmelo Anthony, in Yusuf Nurkic, in Zach Collins, in Gary Trent Jr. I have faith in all of these guys who are playing very very well at this time. They're really coming together. They're playing. They're playing great. I think that their schedule is a winnable one here down the stretch. Uh, 42 to 28 Blazers over the Sixers in the second quarter right now, um, and then their schedule down the stretch with the Mavericks and then the Nets. I think that they can get one of those two games and that will uh, most likely be enough uh, for them to stay into that eight or nine spot. So I like the Blazers and that other team that gets in. I'm really not too sure. There, there, could, be a, there could be any one of those, uh, those other four teams I mentioned. But I do like the Blazers' chances to be an eight or a nine seed uh, and get a chance to play in that playing tournament. Okay, let's talk about why are there so many career highs getting put up in the bubble and whether it's points whether it's rebounds whether it's assists uh whether it's players coming out of nowhere to play better than they ever have what's going on what is it about this bubble that seems to be bringing out uh the best of some of these you know maybe not necessarily stars uh in the past but some of these guys you know like your tj warrens uh a guy like um michael porter jr or a Gary Trent Jr. Like, why are guys like this playing so well in the bubble? Um, and, you know, guys that have had career highs since this uh, since the bubble started include TJ Warren, Fred Van Vliet, Michael Porter Jr., uh, Timothy Luau Cabarro, uh, and De'Aaron Fox. Five guys have had career highs in scoring. Uh, we've seen Kyle Lowry get a career high in rebounds. Luka Doncic had a career high in assists against the Bucks in a game that it was an incredible game uh, from him and you and you're just you it, it makes you wonder right it makes you wonder what is it about them playing in this environment uh, is making these guys put up so many good numbers and i think i got a theory i, th- I do think i have a theory about why that is uh, my theory about why players some of these players are putting up career highs and playing so well is basically this the atmosphere in which the players are playing with feels a lot like an open gym. 
And, you know, if you play basketball, right, not professionally, if you just play pickup basketball, right, and you know what that's like where, you know, you're just playing, there's there's the only guys that are really watching are the guys that are, you know, up next, the team that's waiting to get on the court after a one team loses, you know, uh, whoever wins stays on the court sort of thing. It You, you almost feel like there's no pressure from fans from spectators who are playing or sorry who are paying to come watch you you know family and friends aren't there you don't feel you know pressure to see them uh, in the crowd if you're players it just feels like look this is an open gym I'm about to get in my bag and show all of these dudes what I'm about and every single one of these guys has that mentality at this point in my opinion and it just feels like the 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 pressure I would get whether it's intentional or not from fans, and what I say, what I mean by intentional or not is intentional pressure is when you know fans are heckling you. You know they're 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 talking a lot of gar- garbage, a lot of junk, saying oh you uh, talking about you what your your stat line was on a night where you know you didn't play good. Oh two of fifteen from the field. We remember we remember that sort of junk, right? You put that in guys' heads, and they're thinking about it, right? They're thinking about it. It's just, it's bound to happen. So that's intentional. And what's unintentional is just basically the pressure of, you know, having 20,000 people around you. Like, I just don't want to miss this three. I don't want to airball this shot. I want to play well in front of these people. I have specific people that came to the game tonight to see me in, you know, section 108 that I have, I reserve tickets for all this sort of like outside pressure that we don't know is there for these players, but probably do exist. And I don't think that this pressure matters anymore because all I think that they see is the open gym, the hoop, my peers, and I'm just going to show all these guys what I'm about and why I can get, I can get these buckets and there's nobody else to impress. There's nobody else to try have to prove something to other than the people who I need to to command the respect of, which is the other players in the league. And I think that that's what's going on here. I really, I really do. I just think that this change of mentality, this open gym uh, pickup type atmosphere that they're getting into with the lack of fans and the lack of pressures that come along with them, I think is really allowing a lot of these guys to get into their bag and just show what they can really do. So that's my theory on why guys are getting so many, you know, career highs uh, and whatnots. And, uh, you know, I hope it continues. Like, that's fantastic. We, we, we want to see a lot more of that. Uh, and the more the merrier, uh, if you will. So good for a lot of these guys. I'm happy that a lot of these guys are, are showing out. You know, your Gary Trent Juniors of the world, that he has been playing just incredible. Feels like every time I watch him play, he can't miss a three, which is just nuts. I think that is really cool. Uh, you know, guy like obviously TJ Warren, who could be the the bubble MVP, <laughs> as uh, people are calling it, uh, just because he's putting up you know like forty a night. Uh, it's, it's crazy stuff out here. He's he's playing real well. So that that sort of stuff is is great to see, and uh, and I hope it continues. And maybe there'll be another level of that once the playoffs come around. But I do feel like there's an added level in general of competitiveness here uh, in the NBA in the bubble just to show just basically on the uh, on the idea that look we're all in an even playing field nobody's at each other's home court I'm not at your crib you're not at my crib we're just on even playing field mano y mano show me what you got no excuses none of that BS 
I'm just gonna go at you and show you that when when everything else is equal, I'm a better guy. I'm a better player than you. Are. Our team is a better team than you. When you don't include all of the uh, the theatrics, being the the fans, the home court advantage, uh, the seating, and all that stuff, it's just uh, who is the better team. So. Uh, I, I love it. I, I think this bubble atmosphere has been fantastic, uh, and I love to watch this basketball. I love to watch any basketball, but you know this change of environment and to see uh, that things are working well and safely at that, another round of zero coronavirus uh, tests among players, zero positive tests among players is fantastic. The bubble is clearly working. Things are going good in there. It uh, looks like the bubble is safer than the outside society, which was the idea when doing this. So all of that is fantastic, and uh, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna crown a champion this year, and I think we're gonna put an exclamation mark uh, beside this championship and not an asterisk, which I think is fantastic. Okay, so that will wrap up the podcast. Our game of the week next week. Uh, I am ta- I am gonna pick the Oklahoma City Thunder versus the LA Clippers. I think that's going to be on uh, that's on Friday, uh, August fourteenth. I believe that is the last day of seeding games before the playoffs. It says right now that the time is to be determined, so we'll have to keep an eye out for that. But I think that's going to be a fantastic game, and I uh, I personally can't wait to watch it. Uh, I love to. I love to watch both of those teams. I think they're uh, I think they're fantastic. I think the Thunder uh, are do have a chance to do some upsetting uh, in the playoffs, and I think the Clippers uh, really want to show that they can go all the way and win a championship here. So that'll be our game of the week next week: Thunder versus Clippers, uh, Friday, August fourteenth. Uh, so we'll look out for that one, and uh, we'll do a recap on it on the next pod. So thanks so much for listening. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your attention. Uh, Isoball Podcast, Derek Terrio on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, it's going to be on there. And uh, we look forward to having more uh, of your listenership in the future. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next week.